coming all the way over here and seeing us. It's awesome to hear from someone firsthand about what God's doing through, uh, you know, our reaching out through the missions team and through uh, individuals like Robert who are able to go over there and and get the support that we have for you guys to you also. Thank you uh, for coming and for sharing that with us. Um, That's so cool. I feel a kindred spirit, you know, with Nikolai. He's got same kids, almost same ages, you know, and stuff. And it's, it's cool to see. And he didn't mention it, but he also actually plays guitar sometimes, which is what I do. My name is Dan, if you don't know, and I'm the worship minister here. Uh, but we're all getting a chance to uh, share a little bit out of this new series that we're in called Sent. And we've been talking about the first two chapters of Acts. And in the midst of those first two chapters, it's been really cool to see the transformation that has happened from God's people in that moment, that they were followers of Jesus, you know, and they were locked up in that room. And then all of a sudden now they're down in the court's temples, in the temple of the court, I'm sorry, the courts of the temple. There we go. They were down there and they're proclaiming Jesus. They're no longer afraid and locked away. It's amazing. And I think about that story, and it's, it's one that, that I think we all love, we love to see, because we all love stories of transformation, don't we? I'm not sure HGTV would exist if we didn't love transformation. You know, um, I'm a huge fan of Aaron and Ben Napier. I'm a huge fan of Chip and Joanne Gaines. They're not only restoring houses now, they're actually restoring towns, which is nuts to me. It, we, we seem to not be able to get enough of that. And I think back to a show that started a long time ago, went out and came back, back in 2020. Again, The Biggest Loser. Anyone remember that? That's a huge transformation show. Everyone loved watching. Everyone loved being a part of it. And it's interesting. I'd almost want to have to make transformation that I could throw money at versus have to change myself for, right? It's a lot easier to change something that's external than something that's internal, And that's the kind of transformation that we saw in Acts in chapters 1 and 2. A transformation of what was inside the followers of Jesus that changed who they were and that put them on a trajectory where they were sent to the world. And that's the amazing transformation that we're talking about. And and Luke doesn't make us guess what turned this small band of 300 people into 3,000 or these afraid people in the upper room into these courageous people proclaiming in the temple courts. He doesn't let us guess what turned them from an inward focus of survival to an outward focus of expansion. He tells us it's the coming of the Holy Spirit that transformed Jesus' followers into his church. And I want you to remember that. It wasn't something that Peter did. It wasn't a book that he wrote that put together. It was God's presence dwelling in them that transformed their lives, that changed their trajectory, and that changed the course of the world completely. You know, Zach talked about this last week as he was sharing in his message that we are to be people who live by conviction, not with conviction. And what he meant by that is we are to be people who live out the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our lives, not simply people who let it go in one ear and out the other. We're supposed to allow it to be something that is something we do and and live out every day because the church is the people who live in the presence of God and who are obedient to his Holy Spirit. That's who the church should be. And when we're abiding in God's presence and we're obedient to what he's leading us to do, he's going to transform our community. He's going to transform our lives. He's going to transform our marriages. He's going to transform our kids. He's going to transform the world, which is what he ultimately did with this community that was there. 
And I'm so excited to share about it, actually, and to dive into this next chapter, because he's just described, like Tony said, this really idyllic community where people are giving and loving each other and listening to teaching, and miracles are being done. And so Luke's going to drill in to an actual story of a miracle that happened. And that's where we're going to start this morning, in chapter 3, verse 1. But before we do, I just want to ask you to pray with me real quick and ask God to speak to us in the midst of this time. Lord, we're so grateful for this opportunity to be in your presence. We're so thankful for the worship and for the chance to just remember your goodness, your, your love for us, your provision, your salvation. God, we, we are lost without you. And if we take this time and it's not centered in what you have for us, then we're going to be missing out on what's best. So Jesus, I pray that everything that is spoken this morning that what is spoken that speaks to your truth, to your goodness, that would encourage us in you, would just be a seed planted deeply in our hearts, and that it would grow and be fruitful. But those things that are from me, that are just my ideas and, and aren't going to help us, would be quickly forgotten. Lord, we ask that you would move and be glorified as we spend this time together. It's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to pick up in verse 1 of chapter 3, like I said. And it starts, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. A man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And we're going to stop there, and I want to just go over this passage and see what we can pick up for our daily lives as we live it out as people of the church. Because the church is the same church that was in Acts 2, 42. Amen? This is the same church of Christ. So, the first thing I want us to focus on is they're going to church. It's not their Sunday. It's the middle of the day, and they're going to church. It was about the ninth hour, so that's counted from morning. So it's somewhere in the middle of the day, middle of the afternoon. And I think to myself about sometimes how hard it is for us to drag ourselves here on Sunday mornings, right? It's difficult sometimes. Life is crazy. We get tired. Things happen. Nikolai had a red eye that he had to catch last night before he got here this morning and was able to come visit with us. So we have things that happen that make it difficult for us to get to the house of God. But that's not an excuse for us, or at least it shouldn't be. It wasn't for them. They found ways to be in God's house, to be worshiping. That time of prayer that they were going to was like their worship service. But we can go to things that are other places where we can have fellowship and learn about God. As we have opportunities here outside of Sunday mornings, we have My Journey. that uh, happens on Wednesday nights at 6.15 that anyone can come to. You don't need to have a reservation or anything like that, a ticket to punch. And you also have journey groups that you can be part of too. This is something that we need to make a part of our lives. And culture is 100% against that. It wants to find everything that it can to keep you busy in the things that are temporary and fleeting instead of the things that are eternal and lasting. And your kids and your spouse and your neighbors and your coworkers, they're not going to see what you say is the most important thing in your life. They're going to see how you spend your time. They're going to see how you prioritize your life. And when you say Jesus is the thing that matters to me the most, well, does he matter to you the most when it comes to how you plan your week? That's 
a hard thing to ask ourselves. I know especially in my time of life with little kids and all the activities, it's hard. But Peter and John had this right, and we need to make sure we get it right too. The second thing I see is that they went together. Both of them were together. And you're not supposed to be just living your faith, you and God. And so the same way that Peter and John were walking together, we need to have people alongside us that are walking with us in our faith, that are helping us. You need to have someone who's mentoring you or an accountability partner. I know personally, if I didn't have people who were around me, supporting me, encouraging me, holding me accountable, this Christian walk would be so much harder than it would have to be. Because we all have times where we get tripped up. We all have situations that take our breath away. And we struggle to figure out what to do. Even if we know the answer is to trust. Sometimes having that person there who can just say, it's okay, that's awful, but God's still good. Makes all the difference in the world. Because there's plenty of people in our lives who will let ourselves just devolve into chaos and fear and worry instead of trusting that a God who's good and loves us and who cares for us is going to bring us through whatever life throws at us. So don't, don't miss that. You need to be walking with people in community. You need to be in a life group with someone. You need to have people that you're talking to on a regular basis about what's really happening in your life, like Peter and John did. And if you're struggling to find God's victory in your life right now this morning, and you don't have that, then maybe you need to think about living your life in a way that includes the community of God, the community of faith. Maybe that's what's missing between you finding the victory that he has in store for us and not. Let's look real quickly again at the passage. There's a lame man, and he's not just lame from an accident. He's been lame from birth. And commentators think that this man was probably rather old because it took several people to carry him. It says they carried him. So he could have been 30 or 40 years old even, many people think. And he went there every day. So two times a day, he was either carried to or away from the temple. This had been his life. He would have been a presence at the gate. But imagine what was going on for him in the midst of this, watching everyone walk into the temple praising God and doing those things, and he's stuck outside, stuck asking for alms. And if you don't know what alms are, let me just explain real quick. There was no Medicaid, there was no Medicare, there was no um, social security net for people who had something like this, who had a lame situation in their life. So what people did is they literally asked for the generosity of others. That's what alms was. And so he was sitting there asking for support because he had no way to fend for it himself. And in the midst of that, he looks to Peter and John. And he asks them. And he reached out specifically to them. Probably had been talking to lots of people all through the day. But he looks to them specifically. And I want to stop for a second and put ourselves in Peter and John's shoes. They were on their way to the temple. It was at a certain time. And all of a sudden, this guy asked them, someone that had been around a long time. You know, maybe he had just been calling out for alms, you know, and just looking for help with that. But he asked them specifically now. It probably would have been very natural and very easy for them just to walk by, be about their business. Oh, I'm going to worship God. I got something to do. But I think what they did is informed directly by how the Spirit of God 
was living and working inside them. And we're going to look at that in a second, but I want to just say something real quick. Something that I found out, I used to actually wait tables at Olive Garden a long time ago. I did that a lot. And uh, to my deep sadness, I found out that the worst time for every waiter was Sunday afternoon. That the time that they dreaded and hated because they knew they were going to be mistreated and underappreciated and not taken care of in the fact that no one was going to give them what they were worth was Sunday afternoon when they served the people of God from the house of God. And it broke my heart to realize that. And it made it harder for me to witness to my friends when every Sunday I knew that we were going to have people coming from God's house who proclaimed Jesus, who were going to be sitting at their tables and going to be treating them horribly. We can only spill out Jesus in the midst of our days if we are living with him and in his presence. If we don't, we're going to spill out junk. Doesn't matter what we call ourselves. Doesn't matter what we want in our lives. If we choose to not step into his presence, we're not going to be spilling that presence out into the people that are around us. And so I just want to encourage you, church, to learn from Peter and John's example here. To remember that everyone we meet, whether or not they're destroying our plans or not, (laughs) whether or not they're turning our situation that we wanted to be a certain way, a different way, is a person who needs Jesus. Is a person who needs the Lord. Let's look at how they reacted and how I believe the Holy Spirit led them to to act towards this lame man. It says in verse four, and Peter directed his gaze at him, and as did John, and said, look at us. And, he, and the lame man, he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but I, what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, And immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. What an incredible story. What a reminder of the God that we serve, his power and his strength. And we're going to get to that in a second, but I I want to focus on something real quick. Peter and John were interruptible. They were willing to take their time that they were invested in with the Lord and whatever plans they had. You know, they were disciples. They had to go worship. They had to do this thing. They had to look a certain way, maybe, or something. They could have sat in their head. They cared more about being with that man and about loving him like Jesus had loved them than they cared about the plans that they had started out with that day. They shifted their focus, and they made sure that his focus was on them. They were relational with him. And we have an option. We have a choice. In every situation where a plan goes awry, and I'm guilty of this like anyone else, I don't like it when my plans don't go awry. I plan services, and it's really hard for me to stay in a good, obedient place because sometimes things go differently than what we plan. But we have to trust God that in the midst of those plans, we plan so that we can be ready for the changes that he makes, right? We plan so we can be ready for those differences that happen. When something that we've planned happened, it's an opportunity to ask, When something we've planned doesn't happen, excuse me, it's an opportunity to ask, what, Lord, are you looking to have happen in this moment? What is this a chance for me to to, to love in a way that you've called me to love? 
Or we can go ahead and treat it as an offensive intrusion in our midst. And we can push people away from Jesus in that, rather than drawing them into our lives and drawing them closer to who he is. And who we are as a church, ultimately, is about moving people on a simple journey towards Jesus. You can only move someone on a journey towards Jesus if you're with them. You can't do that from afar. You can't do that by poking a stick. You got to bring people into your lives. The second thing I want us to see about this encounter where he was healed is that the lame man was expectant. Of course, we can't say he was expecting a miracle. I'm sure when he woke up that day, he wasn't expecting to be healed. This wasn't the man at the pool at Bethsaida who was waiting for an angel to come down and touch something to heal him. No, this was someone who had resigned himself to his fate. He knew he was going to spend the rest of his life at that beautiful gate asking for alms. But at the same time, he was expectant. The Bible tells us this as he looked to Peter and John. And we know that God cares about us having expectant hearts. And so I personally feel like this made a difference. In fact, in Hebrews, Paul says that those who would seek God must first believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. In fact, Jesus said, those who knock and keep on knocking are the ones to whom the door will be opened. And so we have to remember that that we need to have expecting hearts. And maybe there are some things in your life that God hasn't shown up for that maybe you wrote them off too quickly with. My mom, God bless her, and I didn't ask her permission to share this, but I'm going to share it anyway. My mom (laughs) prayed for years, the better part of two decades, to see my sister, who was far from Christ, turn towards Christ, And I got to tell you, there was more than a few dark times where we weren't sure what was going to happen. But God is faithful. And when you hold on to his promises and you persevere and you have an expectant heart with the king of the universe, he shows up and he transforms. And that's what he did when my sister came to know the Lord. And we can have expectant hearts and see God do things that are greater than we could possibly imagine. You know, Peter and John were straightforward with this man too. And they told him, look, we're not here to give you silver and gold. I know that's what you're looking for. But when they responded, they responded anyway because they were faith-filled and faithful. They had listened to the Holy Spirit who told them to stop and pay attention to this man and love on him. And they were ready to go ahead and provide him that same opportunity to trust in who Jesus was and to step into an encounter with him. They were following the leading of the Holy Spirit. They were obedient. And I have to ask us this morning, do we have enough of God's presence in our life that we feel like we can hear his voice regularly in the midst of our day and we have that walk with him that if someone stops us and they're looking for something, that maybe we don't have an answer for them, but we have the answer for their life that we can stop and share with them. That's what Peter and John were able to do. And oftentimes, I get so busy and so stuck in my own ways that I get wrapped up in my daily life and I don't allow myself to dwell in God's presence and live out of his abundance so that I'm ready to go ahead and spill out his love 
and grace and hope. But that is our namesake. That is who we are as Christians. And we have every, every reason to live into that as people. And something else I want to point out that we might glance over is that after Peter said this miracle and he called on the power of Jesus to heal this man, he raised down, he put his hand down and grabbed his right hand and lifted him up. There's something about us that when we encounter people who are broken, who are struggling, people like this man who probably couldn't get himself to a bathroom, who probably was not in a good state in the midst of his begging, where we can recoil, right? Either we get overwhelmed, either we actually allow ourselves to feel better than that person, or we can even be afraid of trusting that God will actually be enough as we offer that out to him. Well, first I want to say, no one is better than anyone else in this church, or anywhere for that matter, because we all stand as equals at the foot of the cross. We all have equal need when it comes to Jesus, and none of us have anything to offer. And if we are forgetting the fact that what we have is the answer, not only for us, but for the world, that then we're probably trying to offer something to this person who's in brokenness that is from me instead of from God. I'm probably trying to reach out of my own strength and pull you up out of your situation. And that's not what Peter did. He called on the name of Jesus to heal that man. And it was God's power who healed his ankles and his feet. He didn't carry him into the temple. This man leaped up. But it takes sometimes, Jesus with skin on, to come down and to enter into our brokenness and to encourage people to not be afraid of trusting God in your life. To believe that he's going to show up. To believe that he's going to be there for you. And that's what Peter was willing to do. And that's why we have ministries like Celebrate Recovery, which are focused on trying to reach out to you, whether you're dealing with anxiety, depression, codependence, or some kind of addiction. These ministries are there because we all have some kind of mess. We all have some kind of habit, hang-up, or problem that we need to take to the foot of the cross and allow Jesus to transform in our lives. Amen? Yeah. So I'm glad that we have that, and I'm glad we have that example, that it's okay, ministry is messy, and we're going to embrace that as we live into what Jesus has called us to. And the last thing I want to point out is that Jesus healed and restored him in a moment. But that lame man had to wait quite a long time. We can read these stories of power and transformation in the Bible, and we can be sitting with some serious difficulties ourselves, can't we? We can be struggling with some things. We can be waiting on some prayers that make it really hard to say, God, why that man and not me? And I just want to share with you that I understand that. You know, if you know me, you know my family, that's great. But for those of you who don't, we have a, uh, a nine-year-old who is autistic nonverbal. And there's all different shades of that, but Micah, my son, has never said mom, has never said dad. He's never said yes, he's never said no. He's never been able to share with us 
his hopes, or his dreams. And when I tell you I've prayed for that healing, and I will continue to pray for that healing in my son's life, and I'm waiting on it, I am. I truly am. But I have to realize the brokenness that we encounter in this world, like his inability to speak, is not a brokenness that is God's fault. When God created this world, he created it perfect. He created it without autism. He created it without any flaw. And he asked us to do one thing, and we fell short. And what we see around us, the brokenness back then and the brokenness here today, in all its shades and forms, is on us, not him. But still, God came, and he loved us with his own life, and he redeemed us by his own blood. And in the midst of that, we have a hope in this day and for eternity that I know that if should I wait through this entire life and never see him speak, that one day in heaven, I'll see his lips opened and I'll see him pray and sing and talk and share of the goodness of God. And that's what we have to look forward to in this faith. And that's what we have to hold on to in the waiting. And so we're going to keep on reading about that joy, because I can't keep on crying up here, okay? (laughs) Verse 8, And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. You see, God's transformation is the best transformation we can hope for. It is the best thing that we could ever have happen to us. He was lame from birth, and now he's leaping. And Luke makes sure, as he writes, to to let us not miss this fact. He writes it again and again, and he writes that he's praising God. There's something else that's really powerful about God's transformation, a characteristic of it, and you can know it, is that when there's transformation that happens in someone's life, they get to go ahead and bring God glory. God is glorified in that. He is shown for who he is. And in this moment, This man being healed, as everyone recognizes, wait, this is the guy who was lame asking for alms and now he's praising God and leaping? They get to go ahead and see the amazing work of God and they set up Peter and John for a message that they share with him. And it's powerful and awesome. But that's what what God does as he transforms us, is he gives a platform for the gospel to be heard and seen. And the truth that God can transform everyone And everything in our lives gets proclaimed and made known. You know, many times we can believe Satan's lie when he whispers to us, God can't transform that situation. That relationship is not going to be changed. It's always going to be broken. Well, sure, God forgave you of most of the things, but he wouldn't forgive that in your life. Those are lies And we're forgetting who our God is. 
the same God who breathed the stars and the limitless galaxies that there are around us, the same God who knows the hair on our heads, whether it's receding or not. He knows how many follicles are there, and he loves us deeply. We can trust him to be good enough as as we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, as we listen to his voice and are obedient, he can go ahead and take care of whatever we're facing or give us the strength that we need to face it victoriously ourselves. If you hear nothing else this morning, this is the point I want you to be left with. Our transformation is not our problem. It's a God-sized problem. If you're sitting there trying to go ahead and be the author of your salvation in your life, you are working at a losing battle. Only God can transform your heart. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we're able to be grown and transformed into the people that he's planned for us to be. The Holy Spirit is the one who's responsible for leading us to Jesus, the Bible tells us. The Holy Spirit is responsible for guiding and directing us, it says. It even says that the Holy Spirit is the one who will give us the words to say when we encounter those people who are struggling and broken. We're responsible for listening. We're responsible for obeying. We're responsible for not grieving the Holy Spirit. Because we're a part of his body. We're the body of Christ, y'all, not the body of us. Let me say that one more time. We are the body of Christ, not the body of us. And when we start trying to walk around and do what we feel like we need to do instead of listening to what the Holy Spirit has for us, spending time in the word, praying, and spending time in community and responding to what God's called us to, we can find ourselves so lost and just as broken as that lame man. You know, in fact, I believe that God gave us an incredible analogy as Luke told this story. Because we can be just like that lame man when we try in our own efforts. You know, the law will only bring you to the door of the temple. Our best efforts will only bring you to the door of what God has in store for your life. It's when we connect with Jesus, when we allow his power to come and work on our lives, that we can begin to enter into the plan that he has for us and to see his life come alive in us and we're dancing in the temple, living into the reality of the gospel because of what Jesus has done, because of what the Holy Spirit has transformed in us. So my question to you today is where are you living? Are you living outside the door of what God has in store for you? Are you allowing yourself to step into all the goodness of his plan for your life? Don't live just outside of God's plan for your life. Don't allow yourself to settle for what you can do that's Christian and good. Allow yourself to believe and trust God for something in your life that if he doesn't show up, it doesn't happen. Don't settle for your best efforts instead of trusting in the reality of God's presence and power in you through the Holy Spirit.
It's because of Jesus' redemption in our lives that we can live by faith in the power of the Holy Spirit and see God glorified. You know, if you're here today and you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus, to live with him, to respond in obedience and in baptism and see the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in your life, then I want to invite you to do that this morning. I want to invite you to make that choice. Because it's one that you won't regret. It's one that you don't want to put off. Because we don't know the hour or the day. We don't know how much time that God's given us. But we are responsible for the time that he's given us. And maybe you're someone who has made that choice. Who has accepted the Lord. Who has had the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But maybe you've forgotten who dwells within your body. Maybe you've forgotten the reality of who God is in your life. And you're living agnostically out your faith. I've done that before. I'm not proud of it. I wish I could get those years back. I don't want to be that beggar anymore outside the temple. I want to be living and rejoicing in the goodness that God has for me. And all of us can be because of Jesus' free gift for us. So I'm going to be up here afterwards. Tony's going to be up here afterwards. We'll have some other people that can pray with you. Allow this to be a moment, whether you're in your seats or up here or wherever you are, where you say, no more will I try to do what God wants to do in my life. I'm going to start to believe who he is and what he wants for me. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for the fact that you have given us everything that we need in yourself. We thank you for the indwelling of your spirit. Lord, help us to hear and live in it and be responsive to what you call us to so that we can experience the reality of your saving work in each of our lives. So we can be good representatives of your love to a world that needs it. Jesus, work in us and draw us to a place of complete surrender to what you would have in store for us. God, thank you for this moment that we've been able to share. Pray that you'd work in it as we take this time to respond in worship. It's in your name we pray. Amen.